0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Growing up, it was and still is with me. When I think about the word fellowship, the first thing I think about is food. That's probably true if you are willing to admit it along with me. And I remember some times where you would gather around and have the biggest spread of food you could ever think of. I love thinking back to the days of my grandfather's old farmhouse and having everybody there and all that spread of food in a room by itself. There was so much food, it had its own room. Now people, that is a spread of food when it gets its own room. And we would just spend the afternoon and you would just eat. And I love the fellowship connected with Thanksgiving. That's my favorite. Why? Food. See the theme here, people? Well, I rather suspect that you're like me. And when you think about fellowship, food is high on that list. And I want us to think for just a little bit about what the Bible has to say about fellowship. We're doing once a month a study on Bible authority, Bible authority on fellowship. Now what that means is we're going to allow the Bible to give us the definition for the Word. We're not going to depend upon what we've always thought or what we would like to be, but rather we're going to let the Bible itself tell us what fellowship is, and therefore that becomes our authority concerning the definition of the word fellowship. And so today I hope that you will leave here with a sense and an understanding of what the Bible teaches and an appreciation for this great word and an absolute anxiety to get to lunch. Because I will be too. Here's the idea. Fellowship. The word is koinonia. You've probably heard the word before. It's a Greek word. Koinonia. And a lot of different interpretations or translations of the word, it, it talks about fellowship. That's the most commonly used translation. It is community. It is communion. It is partaking. It is sharing. It is even uh, a word that has a sexual connotation, intercourse. But it's the word. And it has an idea, a concept connected with it that helps us to see the richness and the depth of the concept of fellowship. We look to Scripture itself. And by the way the word is translated in that particular context, we get a feel and an understanding for what the word is talking about. For instance, when Paul was going around collecting money for the people in Jerusalem, in Romans 15 and verse 26, he called it, same word, koinonia, he called it a contribution. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, in about verse uh, 15 and 16, when he's talking about the Lord's Supper, and he says, the the bread that we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Uh, The cup that we partake? Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? That word communion is a part of that word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when he's talking about the the fact that those Christians in Corinth had been together with him in suffering, he used the word partaking. You have partaken of the sufferings of Christ. Same word, same idea. Again, when talking about the collection for those poor in Jerusalem, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he used it in. The word there is translated. All these translations, admittedly, come from the New King James, which is the primary translation that I use. But there it is, the sharing. They were sharing with those people down in Jerusalem who were suffering so greatly. But, of course, the idea is that it's fellowship. That's what 1 John chapter 1 does. Translates it as Fellowship. Chapter 1, verses 3, 6, and 7. And that final verse helps us to see the broadness of the Word. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, continues to cleanse us from all sin. You see the word fellowship is a word that describes The Christian life. It is a word that very well describes the entirety of the Christian life. Because, in that verse, the verse says we have fellowship not only with one another, but we also have fellowship with God. This fellowship with one another is with people who have fellowship with God creating the completion of that triangle. It does very well describe what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about fellowship. It is about the connection that we have to God and the connection that we have to each other. Fellowship. Let us begin to focus in on fellowship. That passage of 1 John 1 and verse 7 I think leads us very well into what I want to call the spiritual life cycle. The spiritual life cycle. In other words, a way to describe what the Christian life revolves around and how it flows and how it rolls. And see this, if you will, as a wheel that is rolling. For instance, worship inspires fellowship. Worship inspires this whole concept Of what we're doing. Worship is the place that we begin. We are here today in worship. Notice the text of Acts chapter 2. What does it say? After these people were where they were, they were worshiping God together. But where did it start? With their relationship. These people were told by Peter in Acts 2 and verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Their relationship flowed right into their worship. Because they were in relationship to God, because they were in relationship to each other, it was natural, therefore, that they would worship God. Their time flowed right there. As this passage develops in Acts 2, we see them coming from a relationship into worship and then into fellowship coming out of this common time together because of who they were because of who to whom they were connected because of what it did for them spiritually they left the time of worship and were involved in fellowship with each other it was a natural progression to be in relationship to God in worship with each other to God, and then from there to go into a fellowship that did one interesting thing. It cemented the relationship. This is the spiritual life cycle. We become the people of God in relationship to each other. We move into worship and adoration of God who gave us this opportunity. And we go from worship into fellowship amongst those with whom we have gathered often and assembled for worship. And as we fellowship together the way the Bible talks about it and understand it that way, we cement more that relationship. if we want to be cemented in our relationship to the Lord, and if we want to be cemented together as a group of Christians in this place, fellowship is the key. It is the glue. It is the bonding agent. It is that that holds us together. It works in other situations as well, does it not? Marriages don't do well with people who don't live together. And you go, well, that makes sense. That's right. I mean, people who just don't live together. Why are you married? Well, I've known of situations. People who get married and they live in different states for months and years. How do you have a cemented relationship that way? How do you do it? Think back, if you will, those of us who are old enough to have memories, past long memories, of high school best friends. Are they still? Are they still your best friends? Well, some of you still live here, so probably yes. But I'm a long way from Florida, and the guys that were my best friends... I haven't seen or talked to them in 30 years. We're not still best friends. I don't have anything against them. They don't have anything against me. We just don't spend time together. It is not, therefore, cemented because we are not together. You want to stay together in relationship, friends, parents and children, husbands and wives, Christians and Christians, Christians and God, then you fellowship the way the Bible says to fellowship. Notice further about this text. Acts chapter 2. There he is presented here, an effectiveness of the church in this location based upon the fellowship. Here's the deal. These people were certainly doing what God wanted them to do. They worshipped God. They were teaching the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2 and verse 42. And, And all of those things are very good. But you know what the people saw? The people saw Things connected to fellowship. First of all, they were effective among the non-believers. Look at verse 43. Fear came on every soul. Every one of them. Not just the Christians. Everybody. Look at verse 47. They had favor with all the people. It is the case that these Christians in the first century... Were effective as people for God in their location because their fellowship was something that everybody could see. And everybody saw it, and therefore they feared them and they had favor amongst them because they saw that there was a continual practice of this fellowshipping concept. They were effective amongst the believers. Verse 44, they were together. Verse 45, they cared and therefore they sold what they had to give to people who were in need. Verse 46, they were a joyful people. With gladness they served the Lord. Verse 46 at the end, it was a group that was simple, that is, humble, simplicity of mind. How would you like to hang around people? How would you like to be a part of a group of people who, were co- who are cohesive and caring and joyful and humble? You want to be around those people? Or would you rather be around a group that is spiteful and backbiting and nasty and mean and untrustworthy? You see, what draws people, what fascinates people, yes, what cements people is a fellowship that shows what it is like to, to create an environment in which there is this picture where even everybody respects them, where the favor that everybody has is positive in their behalf. where where they are seen to be a together, cohesive group of people who care for others in every way, who are joyful all of the time and exude humility in life. Now that's the kind of people, that's the group that will be effective. Effective. That's the group that everybody wants to be a part of. I have heard it said, and though it is a stated in somewhat of hyperbole, I believe it to be true. If we had the kind of fervent fellowship that we ought to have, and the Bible defines, people would be knocking down the doors to get in. You know why? Because they can't find it out there. It often is the case, you can't find it out there. Do you find it at work? Do you find it on teams? Do you find it in those situations? Not so much. Because you see out there, most people are saying whatever I need to do to get what I want and need is what I'm going to do. But in here, as the people of God, as the church that Jesus died for, He wants us to create an environment of fellowship that is so nurturing and so encouraging and so fervent and warm and nice and friendly that we will be effective and people will be clamoring to know. What do you have? How do you get that? We need to understand then what Bible fellowship is. If we can make sure that we are developing the fellowship defined in Scripture, then we will be just that way. Look in your text of Acts chapter 2. Fellowship is to be in. In. That's the way I want to begin. The Bible defines fellowship as in. That makes sense. If you're out, you're not in fellowship. If you're in, that's where it is. But what does it mean to be in? There's a difference in connotation between being in and being in. For instance, have you ever heard anybody say that they in a large group of people feel totally alone? You know, if you're standing around this group here in a little while and somebody walks up to you and how are you feeling today? I feel totally alone. And when I look at you and I say, how can that be? There's over 300 people in this room. How can you be alone? We know what that means, don't we? There's a difference between being in and being in. Notice, if you will, in your text of Acts chapter 2. Look at verses 42, 45, and 46. Fellowship is in... Involvement. These people were involved. You get fellowship during involvement. You know, if a person doesn't feel like they are a part, just go participate in a group event and be a part. This is a picture of our group as we went to Hackleburg, Alabama to work on tornado relief. Involved. You can ask any one of them who was there, did you have fellowship together? Did you feel like you were in? And everyone would say, oh man, I was in. Why? Because you were busy. I was involved. They continued, the text says, together in fellowship. They were involved in the apostles' doctrine. They were breaking bread together. These people were involved, they were busy. And when they saw work that needed to be done, they just jumped on it. There is in the concept of Bible fellowship, right here in this text, pointing out this idea of koinonia, there is an involvement here. Number two. Bible fellowship is inclusion. Back to the text. Verses 45 and 47. Look what it says. As all, distributing to all as any had need. All, verse 47, had favor with the people. All. Inclusion. It's not real fellowship. When an entire group of people has people left off to the side that aren't included. The problem in the early Christian church of Corinth, that group of people had a problem. And Paul wrote about it in First Corinthians chapter eleven, and he said, Let me tell you something, in our terminology. You guys are messing up the Lord's Supper. You are doing it in such a way, you might as well not even be taking it. Because what you're doing is you're dividing up in groups. There's no communion going on. There's no fellowship going on. What you're doing is you have the rich people sitting over here who have provided everything for the supper because the poor obviously can't bring anything. And instead of including them, waiting on them, you're just over here by yourself, and you're taking the Lord's Supper, and you're enjoying it, and you're doing your thing, and here they are over here on the outside looking in. Is that fellowship? It can't be fellowship if people aren't included. Number three, look at your text. Verse 45. Fellowship is intimacy. Notice what the text says. Sold their possessions and good and distributed to anyone as all had need. You ever visit the hospital or visit somebody sick and you ask the question, you need something? What can I get for you? What do you need? Have you ever had the experience of being down and out and having a problem? And somebody walks up to you and does X, whatever it is. They give you something, they do something for you, they whatever. They just knew or suspected what you needed and then just did it. Didn't you appreciate that? How do you think these people knew what those other people needed? You think they, over a period of days or weeks or months, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. Heard they were having trouble. I wonder what the problem is. I don't think so. You see, intimacy means to be in the lives of other people. They were together. They were in each other's lives. They weren't just around each other. They were in their lives. They were in their hearts. And they were in their homes. And they just knew each other. It wasn't a mystery. Didn't have to ask a question. They just knew. Now, see, in order for fellowship to be what the Bible says fellowship is, it demands that we be involved, it demands that we be included. You got to have everybody. And it demands that we be intimate. You can't have fellowship with those things without those things. Can't have it. You can have association. You can say hi. You can shake hands. You can acknowledge It's not fellowship. It is only fellowship when we get in to the lives of everybody through involvement, inclusion, and intimacy. As we close, I want to make a public affirmation of what has become, it seems to me, an incredible success. It is so easy, it is so natural, that when it was proposed, I was shocked nobody ever thought of it before. But I love Acts 2.46. I'm not talking about the verse. I love what we're doing in Acts 2.46. You know, if you have not yet signed up to be a part of Acts 2.46, I hope that you will give it one month of effort. Just one. That's all you got to do, one month. And if you want to know about it, In the lobby, when you go out, turn to the right. By the windows of the office, you will see a a table and you can see what it's about. And if you're visiting with us, take some of it with you and go back and share it. It's unbelievable how easy it is. And yet, the foundation that it begins to create for fellowship. This is not the only way to do it. We've tried other ways. There will be other ways that will come along. I'm just saying, to do what the Bible teaches about fellowship, this is helping get it done. And there is benefit being paid or received. We're seeing what it's doing. And I highly recommend that we, as a people of God, continue to fellowship. If you're not in fellowship with the Lord today because you've not given your life to him, you've not obeyed the gospel, you're not a child of God, the relationship has not begun, then the worship and the fellowship, that's still yet to come. Today you can be obedient to the Lord, completing your obedience in baptism, submitting to him, giving your life to him, and letting him rule in your life. If you're not a child of God, today would be a good day. If maybe... As a child of God, you need to start over and say, Lord, I want to be in greater fellowship, not only with you, but with these people, to be involved and included and intimate with each other. If you want to be a part of that, we're here to help you. If you'll come. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky.